aren't you just a sight for sore eyes? Of all the movie and TV joints in all the towns and all the world, you walked into mine. How lovely. Come, sit. Let me pour you a drink before we begin the showing. You know, I think that this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Cheers. Here's looking at you, Phil. Well, hello there. How are we? Welcome back to Here's Looking at You Film, a podcast for the vintage cinephile with modern sensibilities. I'm your host, Nikki, and today is a special day. Today, we are celebrating the film that inspired our name, our intro, and our mission, Michael Curtis's Casablanca. Now, with an 8.5 out of 10 on IMDb, 99% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 100% on Metacritic, this is widely considered to be one of the greatest films in existence, which is crazy because when it came out, they figured it would be like all of the other romantic dramas that were coming out at the time. The screenplay is based on Everybody Comes to Rick's, which is an unproduced stage play by Murray Bennett and Joan Allison, but there were quite a few changes made to the play, like names and different details. Casablanca was rushed into release to take advantage of the publicity from the Allied invasion of North Africa a few weeks earlier, so it ended up having its world premiere on November 26, 1942 in uh, New York City, and then it was released nationally in the United States on January 23, 1943. So here's where I get a little bit confused. So um, everywhere I was seeing like the 75th anniversary was in 2017 and the 80th anniversary is this year. But if it came out in January 1943, it seems like that would be the 79th anniversary because 1942, January 1942 would be the 80th anniversary. Um, unless we're counting like the release date as the first anniversary, which is also possible. Maybe I just don't understand how the math works. But um, either way, we are saying that this year is the 80th anniversary of Casablanca. And what a year it is. Any hoodle, we're going to jump in pretty quickly. So we're going to talk cast. So first we have Humphrey Bogart as Rick Blaine. And Humphrey Bogart, we'll talk about him in a minute, but he's like quintessentials 40s Hollywood star. Ingrid Bergman plays Ilsa Lund. And this is considered to be like one of her most famous roles. Um, <clears throat> they were considering uh, Anne Sheridan, Hedy Lamarr, uh, Michelle Moran for this role, but um, ended up going to Ingrid Bergman and it's like perfect for her. Uh, we have Paul Henry as Victor Laszlo. Um, much like what happened with um, uh, Norman Bates, Anthony Perkins, um, he kind of was sequestered to being this like straight stiff guy after this movie came out because, you know, uh, it was just sort of like the role he was destined to play and he was so good at it that he was sort of typecast as that character after that. Um, we have Claude Rains playing uh, Louis Renault, uh, Conrad Vate as Heinrich Strasser, Sen uh, Sidney Greenstreet as Signor Ferrari, Peter Lorre as Signor Ugardi, and Dooley Wilson plays Sam. Um, interesting fact, uh, during the movie, you know, he plays piano, uh, but Sam in real life played drums. He did not play piano, so um, he had to mimic playing the piano for the whole movie, but he did sing, though. 
So now that we have our players, let's press play. Uh, Casablanca comes in with one of those booming orchestras and uh, beautiful title cards. Uh, this movie originally was released in black and white, and it is the only way that we watch it. Mm -hmm. From Jump, they explain that this is World War II and people from Europe were fleeing to America due to German occupation. Now, in order to do this, you had to get to Lisbon, but it wasn't just like a hop, skip, and a jump to go to Lisbon. You had to go from Paris to Marseille, across the Mediterranean to Oran, Algeria. Then you could go around the coast of Africa and get to Casablanca in Morocco, where you would wait and see if you could get exit visas to get to Lisbon and then you could go to America. Now, of course, there are those that are just simply trying to flee, and then there are also rebels who are against the war altogether. Where our story begins, two officials, couriers, have been found dead. Um, there were some specific letters that were stolen, and the culprit is believed to be in Casablanca, which gives the military full right to collect up any refugees, people without papers, and honestly, whatever pretty girls they want for questioning. Now, we find out all of this out from a young gentleman at a restaurant that's speaking with two older patrons and advising them to stay safe. This place is full of vultures, vultures everywhere. And when he leaves, the gentleman seems amused by it all, as if he's like spending a day at the zoo watching all of this unfold. But he soon realizes that his wallet is missing and the man seems to have disappeared. So this place is a zoo indeed. Now, during all of this, the military casually stop a man on the street to ask for papers. And at first he claims that they're at home, but then when they threaten to take him in, he produces them from his pocket and they're expired. He tries to run and he's shot dead, found holding free France papers, like practically did their job for them. No mysteries left. We know what side he was on. Now overhead, a, flame, a plane flies in. And on that plane is Major Strasser flying in to check on things. He's greeted with a firm, Heil Hitler, you know, I'm not going to do all that, from the soldiers. Then he's introduced to Captain Renault, the police prefect, and his aide, Lieutenant Cassell. And Strasser asks if they've found the man who's murdered the couriers yet. They know who he is, but there's no rush to get him because they're going to get him at Rick's tonight. Everybody goes to Rick's. Rick's American Cafe. And it's evening now, and the place is absolutely packed. As we head in, we can hear this brassy nightclub band playing along while Sam plays the piano and croons, It Had to Be You. Sam is my favorite character in the movie and quite possibly one of my favorite characters in like all of old film. And we're going to talk about Sam a little bit later. Now, among the people, it's clear that while the place is booming, Conversations are kind of depressing. I mean, this is wartime, and people have been stuck there waiting to leave for what feels like an eternity. Diamonds are selling for practically nothing because everyone has diamonds, and people are trying to plot ways to get out illegally. But there's still some fun conversations happening, including some patrons wondering if Rick, the owner, would have a drink with them. No, Rick does not mingle like that. He stays chill, stays out of all the business, and makes his money. That's it. Now, Rick knows what's happening at all times. He just stays out of it. He's not with the mess. As a matter of fact, Rick is in a private room where only certain people are allowed, and he's sitting at a table playing chess by himself. Now, 
Let me tell you about Rick, a.k.a. Humphrey Bogart. There's a few specific kinds of leading men around this time, right? So you got like your bad boy, like a if you think of like a James Dean type, right? And then you have your everyman, like you got Gregory Peck or Jimmy Stewart. And then you got like swag kings, like the hair is gelled back. They got like a little mustache or they got like a swaggy suit on all the time. We're talking Clark Gable, James Cagney and Bogey, Humphrey Bogart, the king of swag kings. He had that cool, like, well, what do you think about that voice? Like all the time, hair laid, white suit jacket with a black tie, never loses his cool, like quintessential, quintessential swoon-worthy leading man. I don't know if y'all can tell, but I love Humphrey Bogart. That's my boo. So some dude tries to come back there and Rick is like, you lucky I even let you drink at the main bar now. Bye. So he scoots. So he has specific people that he lets in his circle. But this dude, Ugart, Ugarte, walks up and starts like casually chatting with Rick. But like I said, Rick don't talk much. He walks away. But Ugarte follows. He has intention. So he mentions how tragic it is what happened with those two couriers. But Rick says they're lucky because they basically got upgraded from clerks to honored dead in one day. Because Rick is mad cynical and doesn't put on for anybody. Ugarte asks Rick if he hates him and he's like, well, if I gave you any thought, I probably would. You see, Ugarte does the ever so helpful work of providing exit visas to people who can't get them through normal means. Of course, for a price. But it's lower than Renault's price, so the people are like still winning. But not for much longer, though, because Ugarte is dipping. He has acquired and is planning to sell letters of transit signed by General de Gaulle. And these are foolproof. If anybody sees them, they can't even question them. Like, you just let people through. Now, since Rick is the most honest dude he knows, and he knows Rick don't feel either way about him, he asks Rick if he can hold the papers for him for a minute. Just an hour or two, though. Definitely not overnight. Ugarte is about to head to the roulette table when Rick stops him and mentions that he heard that the murdered couriers were carrying letters just like these. Yep. Dang. Poor devils. This man obviously is not admitting anything. So Rick heads out to the main bar area, hides the papers. Meanwhile, Sam is singing this song, Knock on Wood, that is probably the most relatable song I ever heard. <laughs> it's like, who's got trouble? We've got trouble. How much trouble? Too much trouble. Now don't you frown, just knuckle down and knock on wood. Who's unhappy? We're unhappy. How unhappy? Too unhappy. Uh-oh, that won't do. When you are blue, just knock on wood. <laughs> if, if that's the advice, I'm not going to have no knuckles left, but thank you. Well, while he's out in the main area, Rick sees his boy Ferrari pull up to the club. Not like a car, a dude named Ferrari. So he gets to chatting and Ferrari is trying to buy Rick's club, but he's on a firm no. So then Ferrari asks how much he'll sell Sam for, which is a weird question because Sam is a black man, but Rick is like, I don't buy or sell human beings. But Ferrari just wants to ask. And Sam's like, nah, I'm good. I don't even have time to spend the money I make here. I don't need to make more money. Bestie vibes only, obviously. So now Rick goes to the bar and there's this woman sitting there looking dead at him, pissed. And she's like, where were you last night? And he's like, that was a long time ago. I don't know. 
well, what are you doing tonight? I don't plan that far in advance, babe. I don't know. So he is paying her dust beans. So she asks for another drink, but Rick is like, nope, you're done. We're calling you a cab. And she's like, I should have never fallen for a man like you. You trash. And he's like, yep, mm -hmm. just put her in the cab and get her home, child. He's not even listening to her. He gets her cab, sends her on her way. So on his way back in, he's greeted by Captain Renault, who he greets as Louie and sits with him. So like, they're on first name basis, you know, and they joke about their proclivities with women for a moment before a plane is seen leaving. And Captain Renault asks why uh, Rick isn't anxious to get to Lisbon and go back to the U.S. And they jest a little bit back and forth, but Rick doesn't really answer. As they're talking, a man comes outside panicked because someone actually won 20,000 francs. And he says he's so embarrassed that he let this happen. But Rick is super chill. And he says, you know, we can get it from the safe. No worries. This happens sometimes. Fine. So heading to the office, Renault tells Rick that they're going to be making an arrest tonight. A murderer's arrest. So Rick looks slightly stunned for a moment because he knows what's up, but he doesn't know what's up. But when Renault warns him not to say anything, Rick says, I don't meddle in foreign affairs. You good. So after telling Rick that Major Strasser is going to be there that evening to witness the arrest, Renault reveals that what he's really here to say. Everyone knows that exit visas are sold at Rick's, but he doesn't sell them, okay? And intelligence his word that one Victor Laszlo is probably going to stop by to figure out how to acquire one. Well, for the first time, Rick looks impressed. So like half the world pretty much knows Victor Laszlo. This man escaped the concentration camp and has been dodging Nazis all over Europe. But Renault and the visiting Nazis insist that he has to stay in Casablanca once he gets there. Rick bets Renault 20,000 francs that Laszlo's going to get out. And Renault's like, well, I don't got 20,000, but I'll bet you 10. Just a little friendly wager on someone's life. No, no big deal. Either way, in order to get out, he's going to need an exit visa. Actually, two. One for him, one for his lady. And Rick is sure that Laszlo would accept just one, but Renault ensures Rick that Laszlo ain't leaving without his girl. That's not happening. And Rick is also wondering why, as much as he don't care about anything, Renault thinks that he would even help Laszlo. And Renault tells Rick that he thinks that under all that cynicism, he's a sentimentalist. You see, in 1935, he ran guns to Ethiopia. And in 1936, he fought for the loyalists in Spain. Now, Rick clarifies that he got paid to do both those things. But Renault reminds him that he would have gotten paid way more on the winning side, the big side. Now, Rick kind of pokes at him for being on the Nazi side. But Renault says he don't mess with them. They don't mess with him. He is the master of his own fate in Casablanca. But in the middle of this hero's speech, he's informed that Major Strasser has arrived. And he scurries out the door to meet him. <laughs> a little funny little moment. So Strasser arrives just in time to see the very calm and dignified arrest of Ugarte. He asks very calmly if he can cash in his chips, walks calmly to the door, and then sprints out, closing it behind him. And once he lets the door open again, he shoots at a couple of the officers giving chase and he causes this huge uproar. He goes running straight for Rick, who tells him, you can't get away. And as he's carted off, this one random dude is like, well, I hope, sure hope you do more if they come looking for me. But Rick is like, I don't stick my neck out for nobody, literally says that. However, he gets the club chilled back out. And he gets the music going again. Everything's cool. 
He's spotted by Renault, who introduces him to Strasser, and they ask him to sit. And Strasser asks casually if he can ask some unofficial questions. Rick is like, you can ask official if you want. So he asks Rick's nationality to which he responds, a drunkard, and then gets a good laugh, but then he clarifies he was born in NYC. Strasser asks if he's one of those people who's upset about German occupation in their quote-unquote beloved Paris, but it's not Rick's beloved anything. And they ask if he thinks they can invade New York, but he warns that there may be a few parks to stay away from. You know, Rick is neutral about everything. Oh, but Major Strasser knows he wasn't always so neutral. He has a whole dossier on him. It even says he can't go back to the U.S., but the reasons are vague. Basically, they need help finding Laszlo, and they're looking for people who are Reich-friendly, you know. And they ask if Rick has sympathy for the fox, and he says he can definitely understand the hound's point of view. Once they start talking about Laszlo, though, Rick feels it's getting a little too political. He dips out of the table. So back at the entrance, we see a very good-looking couple enter, the woman's arm linked to the gentleman's. This is Victor Laszlo and his partner, Ilsa Lund. As they enter and pass Sam at the piano, Sam gets a most distressed, panicked look on his face. And as the couple sits at their reserve table, Ilsa mentions that she doesn't think they should be here. But Laszlo comforts her. And a man approaches and asks if they'd like to buy a ring. At first, Laszlo refuses until he sees the symbol on the ring. This is an ally trying to have a conversation. He begins a conversation with the gentleman, but Ilsa calls his name firmly to notify him that an officer is standing behind him, Renault. He quickly tells the gentleman that he'll see him at the bar, then loudly proclaims that he has no interest in buying the ring. As the man leaves, Renault approaches and introduces himself, wishing Laszlo a pleasant stay in Casablanca. Laszlo's a bit guarded at first, but Renault is nice, and pretty much everybody likes him. And after being invited to sit, he orders champagne for the table and compliments Ilsa as the most beautiful woman to ever enter Casablanca. She asks Renault about the man playing the piano as he looks familiar. And Renault advises her that that's Sam and he came from Paris with Rick, the owner. When she asks about Rick, Renault says, well, he's the kind of man that if I were a woman and I were not around, I should be in love with Rick. Well, the mood is completely ruined when Strasser comes over and tries to flex his Naziness or whatever, but Laszlo quickly reminds them that they are on French soil, so they can't touch him right now. So Strasser's like, um, so just let me set up some time to talk to you about some of the stuff you've been up to, you and, you and your girl. So tomorrow, 10 o'clock a.m., you can come to the prefect's office. Laszlo looks at Renault and basically says, um, I'm not listening to him, but I'll listen to you, um, so is this an order from you? Because this cornball. And so Renault, forever a gentleman, says, you can think of it more as like a, a request. Okay. So Laszlo's cool with that, but he's very aware that they're coming for him. So Laszlo goes to the bar to meet with the old boy from earlier while Ilsa chills at the table. And there's a beautiful woman singing in Spanish. So Sam isn't performing, but Ilsa's looking at him, throwing him little small smiles. And he looks stressed out. <laughs> at the bar, Laszlo tells dude he's looking for Ugarte. And dude tells him Ugarte got arrested right before he got there. But they're having a meeting the following night to figure out how to proceed. And they want Laszlo to come. Before he can get confirmation, Renault comes over to sit with Laszlo at the bar. So old boy scurries off. 
Ilsa has asked somebody has asked somebody to ask Sam to come over. So Sam wheels his piano over and says, "Hey, Miss Ilsa," and she says, "It's been a long time, Sam." With this like real dreamy smile on her face, and she asks him to play some of the old songs. He starts to play, and Ilsa asks where Rick is. Sam is like, "I, I don't know. I, I haven't seen him. I, th- I think he went home." And she's like, oh, does he always go home this early? And Sam is like, um, he got a girl at the Blue Parrot that he goes to see sometimes. Um, and Ilsa has this little grin on her face. And she tells Sam that he used to be a better liar. Sam stops playing, looks Ilsa straight in the face and says, leave him alone, Miss Ilsa. You bad luck to him. So her face gets sad for just a second. But then she perks up and she says, play it once, Sam. For old time's sake. And Sam is like, I don't know what song you mean. Play it, Sam. Play as time goes by. And Sam is like, I I don't even remember that song like that. And she says, I'll hum it for you. Da 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 So, defeated, he looks up at the ceiling and starts to play. She stops him. Sing it, Sam. Now, interestingly enough, people commonly misquote this film and think that the the line is, play it again, Sam. She never says, play it again, Sam. But, you must remember this. A kiss is just a kiss. A sigh is just a sigh. The fundamental things apply as time goes by. And when two lovers woo, they still say I love you. On that you can rely. No matter what the future brings as time goes by. I still get a little teary-eyed, but 50% of all the songs ever make me teary-eyed. So, my. So, Ilsa's sitting there having like a starry-eyed memory days moment. Meanwhile, Rick comes out the back confused, irritated. He comes stomping right over to Sam and he's like, Sam, I told you never to play this song. But before he can finish, he looks up, he spots her. Her eyes are already slightly glistening with tears. She looks all, man, I wish I had the proper words to describe the look on Rick's face. It's like the perfect look for that moment. He looks like he wants to cry, throw up, fight, and kiss this girl at the same time. Like, imagine seeing someone that you haven't seen in years that you thought you would never see again who you had to like fight yourself to forget and they're sitting in front of you in your restaurant with y'all's favorite song playing throw up over everything throw up on everything i i I don't even know what you do well all this is happening sam ain't dumb so he packed his piano and shit up to roll back across the room he dips before Rick can get a single word out, Renault comes over to introduce Laszlo to Rick. And both of their reputations have preceded them. And even though Rick does not usually drink with patrons, this time he will. So Laszlo compliments Rick on the place and Rick compliments him for 
generally succeeding at life, you know? And Renault mentions that Ilsa had asked about him earlier, and they don't try to hide that they've met. They mention that the last time they saw each other was in Paris, the day before the Germans invaded. Not an easy day for either of them to forget, but Rick's eyes, of course, say that it's not an easy day to forget for more than one reason. He says, they wore gray, you wore blue. She says, she says she put that dress away and she'll wear it again once the Germans leave. Well, it's getting late and there's a curfew, so they have to head out. Rick covers the tab, they say their goodbyes, and Elsa tells Rick to say goodbye to Sam for her, and she says, there's still nobody who can play as time goes by like Sam. As they leave, Laszlo asks Ilsa what to make of Rick, and she says she doesn't know, though she saw him quite often in Paris. Hmm. Now, it's after hours, clubs closed and dark, and Rick is sitting, drinking alone, and he looks like he is literally on the verge of tears. Sam comes out and asks if he's going to bed. No. Are you going in the near future? No. Well, I'm not going either. Good. Well, have a drink. No, I don't want that. Okay, well then don't have a drink. So Sam wants to go for a walk, a drive, anything to get out of this bar, but Rick is not going. He's waiting. He knows she's coming back. And Sam can't stand seeing his boy go out like this, but he knew this was going to happen as soon as he saw Elsa, so he's just going to sit through it. So Sam sits down and starts to play. And they talk nonsense back and forth for a bit, Rick being drunk and Sam just trying to be there. Of all the gin joints and all the towns and all the world, she walks into mine. Oh, my heart. I'm swooning. So Sam is playing some random song and Rick is like, stop, play the song. And Sam's like, I don't think I remember it. And he's like, look, if she can take it, so can I. Drop that track. So now, for the second time, Sam is playing as time goes by. And Rick's eyes are shimmering in the dark. And he lets out a quiet, oh, oh. And that is such a universal feeling that, like, but it's so hard to describe. It's like being in love and like crying over somebody and being sad, but like just for a minute, like being in awe of the way that that love makes you feel and just being in the love. Like a song or a movie can take you back to a time, a smell, a feeling with a person. And then when they leave, that person stays in the notes of that song or in the lines of that movie you shared, you know? Like, so my ex was kind of selfish and never wanted to like really like share experiences with me. Um, so, but I'm actually like thankful for that now because I can watch my comfort shows, listen to some of my favorite albums without having to like mentally peel him out of it. But in contrast, I can remember like way, way back a long, long time ago, I remember breaking up with this dude right after 808s and Heartbreaks by Kanye came out. And I remember driving through the streets and like just eyes filled with tears, listening to like streetlights and listening to Heartless. And just, it was, I, I don't even care about that guy anymore, like in the slightest, like not at all. Like, but when I hear those songs, that feeling sits in those songs even though they're not really related to a person anymore. It's just the feeling is still there. 
unless I create new memories around them, of course, right? Anyway, I digress. We get to a flashback, right? So we can see that Rick and Elsa are riding in a convertible, top down through the streets and the countrysides of Paris. And Elsa snuggles into Rick comfortably and Rick has this glow, this smile that we have yet to see in this movie until right now. And we can see that they were more than just mere acquaintances. Back at the apartment, they, or at her hotel, I believe, they snuggle up, they drink champagne, and Rick asks her about her past, but they had agreed to not ask questions about each other. Just be. After pouring each of them a glass, Rick offers a toast. And if you are drinking anything right now, <laughs> I will offer up the same toast to you. Here's looking at you, kid. I wish you could see how big I'm smiling right now, dude. <laughs> so they go in dancing that evening. No words, but they just look so lovingly at each other back at home. Uh, Ilsa's wearing a nightgown and he's still wearing his suit. And I know that like in those, in the films back then, you couldn't allude to the fact that two characters had had sex, but the two of them had sex for sure. For, for sure is he's. So Ilsa asks him what he's thinking about, and he wonders how he got so lucky to just stumble into her in Paris. Like, and she doesn't have anyone. She's not married, nothing. And she says there was a man in her life, but he died. And Rick apologizes very quickly and reminds himself that they said no questions. And she says there's only one answer to any question that they have. And they kiss very passionately. And soon afterwards, they find out that the Germans are going to be in Paris any day now. And Rick is not safe with his mysterious record. However, at the bar that evening, Ilsa seems off. Sam is playing their song as time goes by and they're finishing off a few bottles. And he offers up their toast. Here's looking at you, kid. She looks at him this time with this loving sadness that he doesn't quite notice. Outside, the Gestapo is broadcasting over the speakers how to behave when the Germans arrive the next day. And Ilsa asks how they pick such a terrible time in the world to fall in love. <sighs> oh, Rick knows they have to leave the city. He tells her that he'll be at her hotel the next day to pick her up at 4.30. But she says she has some things to do in the city first and she'll meet him at the station at 4.45. He's thrilled and even asks if she wants to get married in Marseille. She says it's too far ahead to plan. And he's kind of joking about it until she notices that he notices that she's turned her head and she seems kind of sad. She says she loves him so much and hates the war so much. And then she tells him to kiss her as if it were the last time. Now the next day it's raining and Rick is waiting for Elsa at the train station. Sam shows up and says she'd already checked out of her hotel but had a note for him. Richard, I cannot go with you or see you ever again. You must not ask why. Just believe that I love you. Go, my darling, and God bless you, Ilsa. <laughs> my heart, ouchies. Mm, it's raining. The ink is bleeding all over the page. Um, and baby boy has to go. Like, he can't stay. So that's it. So back in present day, Rick is still drinking and... Like a sailor summoned by a siren, time as, time, as soon as this time goes by ends, Ilsa shows up. She says she needs to talk to Rick, but Buddy is like, like he is 
fucked up. He he asked her why she had to come to Place Blanc, and she says she never would have turned up if she knew he was there. He tells her that he counted every day that they were together, but mostly remembers the last one, the big wow finish. And she's trying to have a heart to heart with him and explain how things happened and fell apart so fast, why things occurred. But he's being as sarcastic as possible before asking if she left him for Laszlo or if there were a string of dudes in between. Of course, she's hurt. So she leaves. And Rick is hurt, hurt. So the next day, Laszlo and Ilsa head to the station for their chat. Strasser gets to the point. You escape from the right. I got to make sure you can't leave Casablanca unless you can provide the names of the leaders of each of these underground movements. If you can do that, you will have served the Third Reich and we can give you a visa and you can be out tomorrow. And Laszlo's like, um, okay, so if you couldn't get the information from me in a concentration camp, why would you get it out here in these grades? Like, Plus, they can't touch him. This is a neutral zone. And if anything happens to him, it makes Renault look bad. Before they leave, they ask, hey, uh, Laszlo, did you have a message for Ugarde? So when he asks, like, oh, yeah, can I talk to him? They like, um, that conversation is going to be quite one-sided because Ugarde is uh, dead. And we trying to figure out if we want to say it was like a suicide or if it was like something else. We don't know. We don't know what we're going to say yet. But there goes that. Meanwhile... Rick is out visiting Senor Ferrari at his spot, the Blue Parrot, and they start talking about the missing papers as well that the now deceased Ugarde was famed to have, and Ferrari claims that he has a proposition for whoever has it, and he'll take all the responsibility for the paper, sell them on the black market for a small fee, because Ferrari's like the black market king, so if anybody can do it, he can, and he's sure that Rick has these papers, but Rick ain't admitting shit. And while they're talking, Rick spots Laszlo and Ilsa coming to presumably see Ferrari and decides to head out to try to speak to Ilsa while he is sober. He says, um, hey, whatever you was going to tell me yesterday, you could, you could tell me now. But she's like, um, I would have told you if I felt like you were still the Rick that I knew in Paris, but you're clearly not. So I really don't want to talk to you. Um, and... She's leaving Casablanca soon, and they will not have to see each other again. So, and Rick is like, oh, so you ain't want to be with me because you ain't want to run from the cops all the time because I had all that stuff going on. Well, I'm settled now. I have a place. It's above the bar. And I know that eventually you're going to lie to Laszlo, and you're going to come see me above the bar. So I'm just letting you know where it is. No, because Victor Laszlo is my husband, sweetheart. And he was my husband even before I knew you. Boom. So she walks off. So Ilsa goes in to see what Laszlo and Ferrari talking about. And Ferrari says he cannot possibly do anything for Laszlo or he'd be done because he's like the number one black market dude. Everybody knows that he does the black market thing. And if he helps out Laszlo, they're going to shut his whole shit down. Um, but he can get something for Ilsa. Laszlo tries to encourage her to go on her own, but she reminds him of all the times that he never left her. And when they reconvene to tell Ferrari that they're going to decline, he mentions that the letters of transit that Ugarte supposedly had might be with Rick. So maybe they should give that a shot, even though there's no telling what Rick is going to do. Now that evening at the bar, there's a little tussle between some French soldiers and some Germans, which leads to a conversation between Strasser and Renault about whether Laszlo is safe there at all. 
as he might lead to some revolutionary thoughts. Now, while they're conversing, a woman comes to speak to Rick. She asks if Renault can be trusted. You see, she and her husband need exit visas. And they've been trying to get them the whole movie since the beginning of the, the beginning of the film. Her husband is back there gambling, trying to win this money, and it is not happening for him, of course. But they don't have the money for these visas. And Renault says that he'll help them out. But, you know, she got to do, do a little something strange for a change, you know? But she wants to be sure before she serves her end of the deal that he can be trusted to serve his end of the deal. Rick says, yeah, he can, he can definitely be trusted, but you would be better just going back to Bulgaria. She asks, if someone loves you, right, and they want to help you, but in order to help you, they have to do something horrible, would you still love them? And Rick looks pained and said, no one ever loved him that much. But he happens to look up and see Laszlo and Elsa coming in. And Elsa asks for a table close to the piano, while Laszlo wants to be as far from Strasser as possible. Table picked out, Rick sarcastically says, he'll have Sam play as time goes by since that's her favorite song. And he goes and whispers in Sam's ear. Sam turns and sees Elsa, and you can see he is trying not to roll his eyes. He like, oh my God, okay, I'm over it. <laughs> so Rick goes over to the gambling table, sees this Bulgarian man sweating bullets. He tells the Bulgarian boy, hey, put everything on 22. He looks up at the dealer and gives him a little nod. 22 wins. Rick tells him, leave it on 22. 22 again. Rick said, cash out. Don't come back. And Renault is irritated because he know that Rick done messed up his little strange, his little sneaky link. But as promised, they got the money. So Renault is going to get them their visas. No problem. Laszlo comes over to speak with Rick and asks if they can go, go somewhere more private. So in his office, Laszlo tries to appeal to Rick's better nature to help him out of Casablanca, but Rick wants to stay out of all the politics. You know how he is. Even though he fought on the side of the underdog in every instance of picking a side, he did it for his own gain. So Laszlo offers him 100,000 francs, then 200,000 francs. Rick is like, you can offer me 3 million, three million francs. I'm going to still say no. And if you want to know why, Ask your wife. My wife? Yep. Your wife. Petty type shit. Ask, ask your wife? Oh, okay. So from the office, they can hear the German soldiers singing in German downstairs, singing like a German anthem, you know, doing their German thing. Laszlo ain't having it. So he asked the band to play La Marseille. And Rick nods. Laszlo begins to lead the crowd in a rousing sing-along for the French people of Casablanca. It's beautiful. It's a heroic gesture that like ends up really shutting the Germans up. People are crying. I was crying. Vive la France. Vive la Revolution! Like, you know, one of the reasons this movie is actually so beloved is because a lot of the extras were actual refugees. So some of the crying that you see in that scene is very real. These people love their home and have been, are want to get back to their home and have been going through this for a long time. Um, but Strasser's pissed. He demands that Renault find any reason to shut this place down because he don't want this no more. So Rick asks about it and he's like, oh, I'm appalled to find out that there is gambling going on in here right before um, they hand him 
Renault his gambling winnings. So he's just, he really found anything. While everybody's dipping, Strauss tells Elsa that it's not safe for Laszlo to stay there anymore. And she's like, okay, well, you said it was not safe for him to leave, but it's also not safe for him to stay. So, okay. So he has three options at this point. He can head back to occupied France, get placed in a concentration camp in Casablanca, or get unalived. That's pretty much it. And Ilsa doesn't want Vic to go to this underground meeting tonight, but he has to go because he's like Victor Laszlo. It's like if there was like a, a like a million man. If, if if Martin Luther King went at the Million Man March, that's that's the equivalent of if Victor Laszlo don't go to this meeting. He got to go. So Ilsa asks what happened when he talked to Rick. He confirms that Rick does indeed have the letters, but he's not giving them or selling them. And he said, ask your wife, you know. And Laszlo asked Ilsa if she was lonely in Paris while he was at the concentration camp. She says yes. And he says he understands what that's like. And then she asks if he has anything to tell her. And she says no. And he tells her that he loves her. And he goes on to go to his meeting. Now, at the bar, Rick is closing up and trying to figure out how long they can afford to stay closed at this point. So when he retires to go upstairs, guess who's up there like he said that she would be? Ilsa. Rick knows what's up, though. She's there for the letters. As long as he has those letters, he said he'll never be lonely. But he's not giving them out. Ilsa tries to appeal to his better nature, tries to explain the cause, but he is really tired of hearing about how amazing Laszlo is. Rick is not fighting for anybody but himself anymore. So she tries the we loved each other once line, but he's like, girl, do not bring up Paris. That is poor salesmanship. This, that's, that's what you don't want to do. She calls him a coward. Then she takes it back because she was, you know, she knows she's just lashing out. Rick ain't buying any of it. Well, she tried to do this the easy way, so now all that's left is the hard way. She pulls a gun on the boy, and he's like, look, I got the letter right here, but if Laszlo and his cause mean so much to you, you could shoot me. Do it. You'd be doing me a favor. Of course she can't do it. She starts crying. She says she thought he was out of her life, and she steps away to go cry in the corner, and of course he walks over and pulls her into a hug. And then she admits that she still loves him, and they kiss. Aww. So they finally get to talk. She basically explains that Victor was sent to the concentration camp shortly after they were married. Then a few months later, she received word that he was dead. And she was devastated, but they were hiding their marriage to keep her safe. So she didn't tell anyone, not even their closest friends, that she was married, which is why she never told Rick. And then she found out that Victor was alive right before they were supposed to leave Paris. So now she wants Rick to help Laszlo get out. And she wants to stay with Rick. She doesn't want to have to leave him again. But she's sure that Laszlo will be fine without her. He has his work. But she says she can't even think. So she needs Rick to think for all of them. And he says he will. Here's looking at you, kid. And their little moment is inter interrupted by some noise downstairs. Carl, the um, Mater D, and Laszlo are on the run since the meeting was broken up. And Laszlo has cut his hand. So Rick calls Carl upstairs to turn out the light in the back, but it's really to escort Ilsa home. Back downstairs, Rick starts to question whether this whole cause is worth it and says that maybe the world would just be better if it died off. And Laszlo says he sounds like a man that's trying to convince himself of something that he doesn't even really believe. Rick says Laszlo seems to know a lot about him. Yep. Like I know, you love a woman. 
coincidentally, it's the same one I love. Now, he says that since the circumstances didn't really affect him, he don't want to know. But he wants Ilsa safe. So he would like Rick to take Ilsa and run away with her using those papers. He loves her that much. Before they can finish their convo, the police come in and arrest Laszlo. Rick goes down to the station to talk to Renault and figure out what they're doing with Laszlo. And he also mentions that he's leaving on the last plane that night and he's going to be taking Ilsa with him. Now, he says he's not all that concerned with what happens to Laszlo, but he's concerned for Ilsa and his safety. So he wants to secure his safety, as they would say. Uh, so, ho, ho, here's his plan. Instead of Laszlo going down for a petty charge that they can't hold him on, get him on a big charge that will send him back to a concentration camp. So the plan is to release him, let him come to the spot to pick up the letters of transit, and then they can arrest him with the letters there. He and Ilsa would leave. They get Laszlo. Boom. Next, after the plan is set up, Rick heads over to Ferrari to sell his spot and make sure that Sam gets 25% of all profits and he keeps all the main staff done. So he's gotten everything buttoned up. Back at the cafe, the plan is set in motion. Renault shows up to meet with Rick before they head to the plane. Renault hides in the back. Then Laszlo and Ilsa show up. Ilsa runs in first and tells Rick that Laszlo still thinks for some reason that she's coming. So she's freaking out. But Rick is like, we're just going to explain everything to him at the plane because it'll make it way easier. Then Laszlo comes in and offers Rick some money. But Laszlo, he's like, well, you're going to need it in America. So now Laszlo is confused because he thought that Rick and Ilsa were going. But Ilsa thinks that Laszlo is going and she's staying. So Rick hands Laszlo the letter and then Renault pops out to arrest him. But Renault is greeted by Rick holding a gun. He tells Renault to call the airport and tell them that two letters are coming and are not to be questioned. Renault calls Strasser, but pretends that Strasser is the airport. He's trying to give Strasser a clue. Strasser don't know what's happening, but he heard airport. So he's like, all right, I'm going to the airport. It's foggy. It's rainy. He tells Renault to go on and fill out the paperwork for two letters, Mr. and Mrs. Victor Laszlo. Well, Ilsa freaks out now. What is going on? Why am I going? Last night, you said I had to do the thinking for both of us. Well, I've done a lot of thinking, see. i done a lot of thinking, see. And it adds up to one thing. You're getting on that plane. If that plane leaves the ground and you're not with him, you'll regret it. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon and for the rest of your life. Well, well what about us? We'll always have Paris. Y'all, I'm not even lying. Like, I'm getting teary-eyed right now. He says, he goes, I got a job to do too. Where I go, you can't follow. What I've got to do, you can't be a part of it. I'm no good at being noble, but it doesn't take much to see that the problems of three people don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. Y'all, I just realized that Rick has to be an Aquarius. Like, his personality is so... Child, happy Aquarius season. I can't believe I'm just thinking about this. Rick is definitely an Aquarius. I got to look it up and see if there's any information about his birthday. But I'm, he, anyway, anyway. So she puts her head down, but he lifts it up and says, now, now, here's looking at you, kid. My heart is in the trash right now. So Strasser is racing to the airport. Rick tells Laszlo that he may not know that Ilsa tried everything to get those letters, even trying to convince him that she was still in love with him. And he let her convince him. 
but they both know that it wasn't real. Ilsa says, thank you, and God bless you. Then they turn, and she walks off with another dude in the fog. Y'all know where that's from? <laughs> Brown sugar with Tay Diggs. Um, Yasin B, formerly known as Most Deaf. He talks about this movie in the movie, and he says, you gonna let your girl walk off with another dude in the fog? I always, I always, I always think about that. Oh, no, he says, he says, oh, he, he let his girl leave, and then he walked off with another dude in the fog. And so I, I guess I got it wrong, but I also got it right. It's, somebody walked off with another dude in the fog. So the plane is leaving. Strasser shows up. But he finds out that Victor Laszlo is on the plane. It has taken off. And he gets ready to call the radio tower to have the plane taken back down. Rick tells him not to while pointing a gun. But he points a gun back at Rick and tries to call the radio tower. They both shoot. Strasser's hit. When the police show up, Renault looks at Rick, but then tells the police to just round up the usual suspect. So Rick stays free. He also says that Rick should get out of Casablanca for a while, maybe head to Brazzaville. Both of them should head to Brazzaville. Rick says, Louie, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. The end. Okay, so listen, there is so much to say. I love this movie, as y'all, I've said a million times. You've heard a lot of the lines from this movie in my intro, and I say them quite a bit. Um, a lot of people love this movie. It is practically perfect. Why? Why is it perfect? There's a lot of movies that are out calling this movie perfect. Big shoes. Okay, so let me tell you why. Everything buttons up clean. Something that you may not know, okay? Just the motion picture production code, which we'll discuss on a later date, um, basically said that in a film, in a film, a woman could not leave her husband for another man. Like her husband could die or he could go to jail and she could like move on because he was absent, but she wasn't allowed to just pick someone else because she was unhappy. So that was never going to happen. Now the possibility still existed in the film for Laszlo to be killed and they could be together, but that would feel kind of cheap and undeserved, right? Laszlo is a good man. He's not like the crappy guy that the girl ends up with in a romantic comedy or a romantic drama because she settled or had low self-esteem before she meets insert male protagonist. This Lazo is a man with drive, conviction, loyalty, purpose. If she leaves him, she becomes a villain in her own story, regardless of who loves who. And Rick is a villain who has stolen a man's wife so that the two of them could be together while the world burns around them. But Rick's growth leads him to knowing that there is more in the world than him or her or the two of them being together. There's a whole war happening. And Laszlo, even realizing that something happened between Ilsa and Rick in Paris, knows that that doesn't change anything. And there are bigger things worth fighting for than what Ilsa did when she thought she had no one. Neither of them are at fault. So it doesn't matter. Women are literally bargaining their bodies to officers to obtain visas. But this love story is supposed to take precedence? That's not how life or the world works. Sometimes you have to let go for the greater good. And in the end, really, nobody at the end of this is satisfied. Rick loses Ilsa, Ilsa loses Rick, 
And Laszlo lives knowing that his wife will always be thinking of another man, but there was no other way. Switching gears though, from that, I said I was gonna talk about Sam and I am, Sam I am. Sam is my favorite character because while his role is small, it's such a defining part of what makes this film great. First off, he's black, but there's nothing in his character or role to suggest that he's considered less than. As a matter of fact, everyone is very impressed with him and understands his worth, which is beautiful, right? However, he's the perfect example of true friendship. He was there when it went down with Ilsa in Paris. He saw the aftermath. They're still in the aftermath of that. So when he tried to avoid it at all costs, first indirectly by being like, girl, Rick is not here. And then directly by telling her to please just leave. But even after all that, when it went down, where was he? Right at his homeboy side. Rick staying up, he's staying up. You want to go for a drive? You want to fish? Whatever. I'm here for you. I'm down. And this is the only person who knows about it, you know? A lot of us have had experiences like that where other people can understand or relate to what you're talking about if you tell them about an experience, but there were only a few people who were there, who were shooting with you at the gym, you know? Those people who were there for you at that, they know that that experience changed you completely. And you almost feel like you owe them the world because they stuck beside you through that. Because they were there when you needed someone. And Sam is one of those guys who is happy to just be there for Rick because Rick looked out for him. Rick made sure he got out of Paris. Rick made sure he had a job. Rick made sure he stayed paid. Rick made sure he stays taken care of. So at the end of the day, you need somebody to be here for you while you're going through with this. I will stay up with you all night, brother. And this perfect character, the least problematic of all the characters in this film, is a black man. Nice. So I do appreciate and the fact that as time goes by it's such a timeless song and he had the chance to be the voice behind this timeless song I think it's beautiful and one other reason that this film remains at the top of my list and the reason that you should definitely see it is because the actors and I know this is going to sound so stupid but the actors act with their faces so well if you've ever listened to Humphrey Bogart talk, he has a very straight voice, monotone, rarely changes. He talks kind of like this the whole time. You can't really, if you were just going to listen to him on a radio show, you'd have to rely on what he was saying to know how he's feeling. But if you just rely on what he's saying to know how he's feeling, there's no feeling behind what he's saying. But the pain on his face, the love, the anguish, the longing anger it's exquisite and it's so it's not like super pronounced overly dramatic it feels real I firmly believe that this film should never be remade honestly but like back in the day I always used to think if they did remake it Denzel would have been really good as Rick in like the early aughts like around training day times it feels like it would have fit um Ingrid Bergman always a force 
in every film that she's been in. And in this, the soft urgency of her voice, her glossy eyes, those small, sad smiles, oh, they carry, she carries. Everything is a package. Claude Rains as Renault. Oh my gosh, this man is so lovable. Like he's a cop, right? Clearly exchanges visas for sexual favors. He cheats at gambling, but he's so, his relationship with Rick feels like, sort of like they're the same person in different font. Like they both don't care, but in different ways, but they do care. Rick stays out of politics completely. He devotes himself to business, that's it. While Renault simply aligns himself with the winners in the politics. They both succeed where they are, just differently. So when their ideal sort of like Venn diagram with each other and overlap, it only makes sense. Um, that it's the beginning of a beautiful friendship. But every character in this film carries. If I don't advise you to watch any other old movie ever, this is the one. Rotten Tomatoes will tell you. IMDb will tell you. The Greatest Movie List will tell you. The Academy Awards will tell you. Turner Classic Movies will tell you. It, it's an hour and 45 minutes of quintessential golden age Hollywood perfection. Perfect transatlantic accents, the outfits, the set design, the cheeky phrases. You will fall in love. This is, this is the genre at its best, at its peak. It's on HBO Max currently, but you can also rent or buy it. And there is a colorized version. No, no, don't. Please only watch this film in black and white. It is perfection. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Next week, we're going to be talking about some fun facts. And that's all I'm saying for now. But it'll be fun. Please follow the podcast on whatever platform you use and rate wherever available. Check out the Pod Instagram. Follow me on Twitter at film underscore Nikki and send any collab requests, advice, movie recommendations, or general greetings to hislookingpodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you guys want to enter the contest for the whiskey bottles, um, please interact with either my Instagram or my Twitter post. Once again, my Instagram is at H-L-A-Y-F-P-O-D and my Twitter is F-I-L-M underscore N-I-K-K-I. Um, my email, once again, is H-E-R-E-S-L-O-O-K-I-N-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Okay, one more. Here's looking at you, kid. Cheers. <laughs>